I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. To explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Others lock up your sons. The fangirls are busting out all over. It's Fangirl Radio. Fangirl Radio. the fangirls on jackalope radio hey everybody and welcome to the latest and greatest episode of the fangirl radio show i'm your host jessica dwyer and with me as always are my two lovely and talented co-hosts mr eric smith hello everyone and the lovely and talented ryan stacy hello <laughs> not adele ryan not adele Hi, everybody. <laughs> So um, this is a really exciting episode for us. We got to talk to the lovely and talented also, Peaches Christ, this episode. Um, It was so awesome. And um, we actually had a special co-host for that segment. Uh, My friend Nawal showed up and was um, an awesome first timer. She did a great job and we'll probably be having her back. Um, But yes, we got to talk to Peaches Christ about all the things that he and she are doing and um it's a really really great interview and i'm really excited because it seems like we're going to be um for the the halloween season we're going sort of drag on this show ryan (laughs) (laughs) we're going all the drag (laughs) well i mean not next week not next week not next week no but uh next week we are going to be um speaking with uh, Naomi Grossman from American Horror Story, and uh, then the week after that, I will allow Ryan to announce that guest. Oh, I'm so excited because we have Alaska 5000 from RuPaul's Drag Race and a current contestant on season two of RuPaul's Drag Race All Stars. Yeah, yes. So. Yes, Queen. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So it's going to be great. I'm working on some extra um, special guests for the month of October as well. Ryan's working his little tushy office too to get us good people. So we're we're really having a good time and we're trying to get some really amazing people for you and we're succeeding, which is good. so before we get to our interview segment, we have to do our Week in Geek because the last couple of weeks have been some major um, season premieres uh, on yes. television. Um, but before we get into that, I, I was just telling the guys before we started about a really amazing fan film that you should check out. Um, what we'll do is we'll, put a, we'll post the, uh, the link on YouTube uh, to the YouTube uh, for the, sh- the film on Fangirl Mag for you. Um, but there is an amazing fan film. Some of these are so good. I, I'm, I'm real. I really love fan films. I'm a real proponent of those because they're they're just beautiful and they allow you to celebrate the things you love, but also use your talents. And this one is called "It All Goes Away," 
and it's based on a Superman comic called Sam Story that was written by Jeff Loeb um, back in 2005, and uh, it's based on the um, story of his own son, Sam, who died at 17 from cancer. And like over only a week, almost um, like 10 days after his son passed away, he wrote a story about um, a teenage Clark Kent dealing with a friend dying from the disease. And, and um, this this is just a really beautifully done film. It, you know, and it it's the first time I think that Clark dealt with a loss. So it's a really well done thing and you guys should check it out. Um, it's really beautiful and just be aware that you're probably going to cry because it's a really touching thing. Um, I don't need to cry. <laughs> I don't want to cry no more. Um, but you should check it out. Um, we'll put the link up for you. Beautifully shot. They totally go the Richard Donner, you know, big expansive farmland route um, for the. Uh, then can I ask a question? Certainly. Is their Lois Lane Margot Kidder ask because you know what a fan I am? Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> well, the thing is, this is before he went to uh, Metropolis. This is all takes place uh, in Smallville, so it's, it's definitely lacking. <laughs> with missing Margot Kidder. It, it is not about the Margot Kidder. It is all about it is all about the uh, the story, which is really good. So you should check it out. Um, before, um, also really quickly, there is a rumor going about that a lot of people are wanting uh, Shia LaBeouf to be the Red Hood in a new Batman movie. Have you heard about this? No. You just ruined my day. <laughs> um, yeah. Are you like mad at us or something? No, I'm not. <laughs> totally not. No, there's, a, there's actually a petition wanting... Um, uh, there is a petition that actually has 800 people signed on that are wanting LaBeouf to play Jason Todd. So uh, I, the thing that's interesting is that the fact that Shia LaBeouf has sort of had this um, resurgence and reawakening because he stopped drinking and stopped all of that horrible crap that he was doing before, which was making his, him crazy. And now he's sort of having this resurgence and people are really wanting him to play the character so I don't know. Well, now look, I'm, I'm all for him playing Jason Todd and having him beat to death by the Joker. But he'd come back as the Red Hood. <laughs> he doesn't have to come back. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a movement for this. There's a rumor, and you know, I don't know. We'll see what happens with that. Um, the other uh, thing that hit this week that I'm really excited about, I'm actually excited about, this is a good one. This is a good news, good news, good thing, not sad. Oh, it is kind of sad. Um, the Phantasm Ravager trailer, finally, we got it um, online uh, the other day, and it looks really trippy, really good, and it is, of course, the last... Um, Angus Scrim role um, by the actor as the tall man. Boy. Oh my God. It's through the whole trailer. It's so awesome. They end it with it. Oh, it's so pretty. I'm excited. I, I love the Phantasm movies. They're insane. They're like a mashup of really weird sci-fi and horror and they just don't care. They're crazy. It's, it just looks great. And everybody had come back for it. Don Coscarella came back. Michael Baldwin, Reggie Bannister, of course, is throughout the trailer. 
Um, so I'm really excited. And apparently it's going to be premiering at Fantastic Fest on September 25th. So in a couple of days, actually, it will be premiering and people will finally get to see Ravager, which has taken a long time to, to finally be. So I'm very excited. Um, so premieres. There's been a lot of them. Uh, so I'm going to pass yes. it off. I'm going to pass it off first. Let's give it to Ryan because I just don't do Scream Queens. I can't do it. I've tried. I, love, I, I just want to make a comment. I love how you always make me go first. I'm like, let's get the first over with. <laughs> He's caught on. No, <laughs> no, no. I, 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 I just, I can't, I can't scream queen. I, I, it's, it's a thing. We talk about it later on. I can't, I can't. I just, I don't. I tried. I tried. I really did. I, am, I can already tell that season two is going to be a lot more fun and wacky this show is just totally wacky <laughs> and i love it and it was it was a very strong premiere and i just knowing you and our like sense of humor and how you and i act together when we're in person and obviously on this show it, it's so up your alley it's not even funny and you're just like repugnantly opposed to it i don't know i got i I tried watching the first episode of the first season. I made it 20 minutes. I couldn't do it. I tried. <sighs> I might try again for you because I love you. <sighs> I love you and you'll love this show. And uh, you'll have so many inside jokes. But it was really good. <laughs> and um, obviously the production value has increased this season. And uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, St. Jamie Lee, as I called her today when we were talking earlier. St. Jamie, um, that's right. St. Jamie. She is just, she's precious as ever. Well, I'm, <laughs> I, I love the fact that Taylor Lautner is in this. He is so bizarre. He's so bizarre. <laughs> and, um, you know, Go his on. Character, <laughs> his character reminds me a lot of um, Chanel number no. three, which is Billy Lord. Uh, they're just really awkward and say the most insane things. And the way they say it is like hilarious, but you know we could never get away with saying those things in real life because we'd all be committed. So it's 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 just it's 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 nuts. <laughs> so what, Kirstie Alley, Kirstie Alley, man. <laughs> so what is the plot of this season? Um, because it, they're all I see are you know we've seen pictures and it's girls in in nurse uniforms that are like hot pink or what have you. So okay. what is actually the story for the season besides? John Stamos being hot. Well, basically, um, Dean Kathy Munch, Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, became a successful multi-millionaire author after the first season from a book. And this book about the murders and new, new feminism. She started a movement and got rich. So she buys this hospital. To, <laughs> she will. <laughs> she wants to reform the, the um, healthcare system. That's her next movement. So she's trying to bring incurable cases to this hospital and cure them. And she ends up enlisting some of the girls from the university as medical students. She's paying for their education and she wants them to have careers to do something with themselves. And, um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, it's, it's just nuts. And of course, a killer, a killer gets loose in the hospital and starts, um, targeting all of the, people that are receiving care at this hospital even though they're probably going to die anyway 
Well, well, I mean, like the first the first case is someone with like werewolf syndrome. It's actually Cecily Strong, and uh, they remove her hair and give her a makeover, and <laughs> she's really happy. And then she gets her head chopped off by the new killer, which the first season was the Red Devil. Now this season, it is you're gonna laugh your butts off. It is the Green Meanie. The Green Meanie. The Green Meanie, and it's this. It's the costume's cool, but. The hospital sits on a swamp, as these things do. <laughs> so are there any, like, inside jokes yet for Halloween 2, since she's in a hospital? Yes, actually, the first kills took place in hydrotherapy pools. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. That's... Yeah, it was, yeah, it's insane. So I'm looking forward to where this season's going. They have a lot of cool guest stars coming. Kirstie Alley is the um, administrator of the hospital, and she hates Emma Roberts about as much as you do. So maybe you should watch this. <laughs> Don't judge my hate. <laughs> At least you have a sympathizer in the fat actress, Kirstie Alley. So, I mean. Well, okay. So another show that I have a love-hate relationship with came back, and that's Gotham. And uh, uh, I've already heard the rumors. There's rumors going around. They're going to bring back Jerome, a.k.a. the Joker, thanks to the the experiments that Hugo Strange was performing on people. Um, this it, this season's already, you can tell it's just a mess. It's already going to be a mess. There's too many characters again. They've got, they've got some, all, all these monsters are loose because of Hugo Strange's experiments and they got all out. So now Bruce Wayne has a doppelganger with long hair and, and everything. And uh, of course, Fish Mooney's back because we have to have her back. And I just really, her character is just as annoying as she was before. Um, they, Alfred, I don't know how Sean Pertwee doesn't have, he's like the the Giles of this show. He's been beaten up and had so many head injuries at this point. I don't know how his character doesn't have brain damage. Um, this happens again. But we've got now, we're full on Court of Owls from um, the Batman comics is happening. Uh it would be nice if they just focused on one thing with this show, but they kind of like jam everything in together. Um, uh, now, James Gordon is a bounty hunter, which I don't. Okay, that's new. Um, but the thing that's really kind of that's making everybody kind of going, ew. Um, so, have either of you, I think, um, Eric, you watched. Gotham, right? At least tried to. I've seen a couple episodes. Okay, so you saw little, little Poison Ivy. Yes. Little Poison Ivy is no longer going to be little. Thanks to a random power that they they randomly wrote into the plot for one of Hugo Strange's victims, quote unquote. Little Poison Ivy is suddenly aged up to become a hot poison ivy which is kind of gross um and how old is bruce wayne (laughs) he's like 15 now maybe maybe so by the time he's batman all of these villains are going to be septuagenarians exactly um so but here that's this this is what they did they've turned with this there's a character that I, I can't even remember the guy's name um he his power is he super ages people if he touches them and kills them that way 
So he's he's after Ivy, young Ivy, touches her for two seconds and ages her to the age of twenty something. Like twenty just old enough. Huh? Just old enough. She's over eighteen, so it's all legit. And so, <laughs> so what's even what, what's creepy is remember they made her character she's like maybe 12 or 13 she's younger i think than selena and she's sort of um very immature so now they've got this very immature brain in a 20 something body so it's kind of gross and they talked about it um in the hollywood reporter and they asked the guy, you know, why did you do this? And uh, the the head of the series. And um, he said, we made the change for two reasons. The character Ivy in the comics, one of her greatest powers is the power of seduction. Everyone was much more comfortable with that with an older actress as opposed to a teenager. Really? <laughs> <laughs> really? Um, and we didn't just make her older with that attack when she's changed and transformed. There's a real character change as well. Well, yeah, I hope so, because that would just be wrong again. But there's still too much wrong. There's so much wrong with this. So Gotham, you hot mess. You hot mess. Um, so then there's this guy that's a bat that I kept he all he did was like hiss and wear like this poncho and it turns out he's got bat wings that happened it's just like all this crazy it's just, it, yeah is it man bat i they didn't give him a name i that's what i went with i thought it was going to be man bat but it just it was so bizarre and random and and rushed i don't know it just was really strange um and they call it, I think the, the tagline for the first part of this new season is Mad City. And that spot on because it's crazy. And there's no like. And it's going to make all the viewers mad. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Um, I'm just waiting for Jerome to come back and see how they do it with him. Because, you know, they killed him for some stupid reason. Uh, so, yeah. I do like the Court of Owls stuff. That's cool. I like they're bringing that in. Um, but I don't... Uh, Gotham, I swear to God. Why can't you be good? Like, like good all, all the way around. So, anyway. That's what's going on with Gotham right now. I was not, not shocked by it being a big mess. Because I knew that they were going to go with this whole... All the monsters are loose in Gotham. Because, well, we, we need weird monsters now. So, there you go. I'm sad again. Yeah, sorry. Let's talk about something happy. Um, let's talk about Lucifer. Woohoo! <laughs> That's what I think. <laughs> I think I'm happy. I think it's Satan. Yay! Uh, so I don't know if uh, Ryan, do you watch Lucifer? Because you should. If um, when I get time and I happen to catch it when Sean's watching it, yeah, I love and it. I dig it. I dig it. It's just. You know, I got I got my certain shows I watch. He's a dedicated scream queen. Um, <laughs> well, I know Eric watches it. Eric, what did you think? As I was, I I loved it. I I, I keep loving this show so much. I enjoyed it. I, I don't love it as much as you do. It's I do <laughs> see you guys suck. I just... no, I 
I enjoy the show. I watch it every week. Um, but it's it's no I Zombie. I know we're waiting. We're waiting. We're waiting. Wait, wait, wait. That's what you think of when you think excellent shame. Well, we are talking vertigo based shows, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just <laughs> no scream queens, which I've never seen. So. Ooh, burn. Burn. Ow! Um, I enjoyed it. I'll tell you what, I loved the rendition of All Along the Watchtower. Oh my god, he needs to sing every show. I was like, they need to release this. I would, I would buy that single. I ran into him. I literally ran into him at Comic-Con, and he is so damn tall and pretty in person. He's not a robot. He really is real. Um, he didn't see you, then, did he? Mm-hmm. I was going to say, he didn't see you if you ran into him, but he's so tall. Well, he kind of <laughs> looked down, and um, I was like, I'm sorry. I'm thinking, oh, God, don't kill me. Um, but uh, I, I really liked it. I liked the whole mom thing. I was dying when the girl... Um, he was like molesting him on the oh, couch, and he thought it was his mom. He's like, "This is the worst." It's wrong. It's so wrong. <laughs> um, I hope the new CSI character wasn't a one-off. I don't think she is. Simply, I, I would be upset because it's like here's this new character who believes in God and has this sort of um differing opinion about the devil right than most people and then but so we're gonna have her because we need someone to do this in this episode and I, I hate when they do that so i'm hoping she sticks around and we get more of her character i think i, I liked her she was fun i liked her too she wasn't like your annoying add-on character you know i think she'll play well with the dynamic <laughs> Because, you know, they're, they're probably, they're beefing up the show. They've got more probably of a, of a budget because it was a hit. And I, you, you know, they're, I, I'm, I'm happy they're not um, human targeting it. You know, how human target the second season completely like threw away everything that made the original season good and brought in extra characters because they needed them. They, no idea, they, never watched it. Oh my God. That was a Vertigo one too, wasn't it? That was DC. It was DC. I don't know if they, um, I know it was regular DC for a while. I don't know if they did a Vertigo. Um, but yeah, basically, and here's what's funny. They released the first season of Human Target on DVD, but they have never released the second. Because people were so angry. They <laughs> they even changed the theme music from a Bear McCready beautiful opening to something else, which was crap. Um, but they added new characters because they thought they needed to change it up. I don't think that's what they're doing here. I think this character's dynamic is going to play really well because she's she's got faith, and I like her. I liked her explanation for her faith. Mm-hmm. That that was great. Um, I liked her interaction with Lucifer. I liked. Yeah. I, and I just yeah, it was it was really well done, and uh, I I just am really I love Trisha Helfer. She's funny and awesome. So I think her as his mom is going to be a great thing to watch. And now I'm curious to see if God's going to show up in some form or fashion. Dad's going to. How many shows can that guy be on? (laughs) He's everywhere. He's everywhere and nowhere. Um, So let's talk about one. uh, There's two more shows we got to go over. Um, And the. I'm going to go ahead and go into um, talking about American Horror Story. Let's do it. Because I thought it was 
horrible. Um, and I know, I don't think Ryan thought it was horrible. I think Ryan liked it. Which no, is, I hated it. Oh, you did! Yay! Wait, yeah! Hold <laughs> on. This might be a first. All three of us have seen this. I, I actually remember now you did say on Facebook you hated it. Yeah, it ruined my day. I'm not kidding you. Here's what's I, interesting. I woke up in the worst mood last Thursday because <laughs> it was so awful. Here's what's interesting. Eric is an American Horror Story virgin. He is well, not anymore. Not, he's not seen any of the other seasons. So he came into this fresh. He doesn't know our pain. Oh <laughs> I am so sorry. But everybody does that. They come in at one of the random seasons and they haven't been with it as long. I've only been with this series since three. I've been with it since the beginning. And the first season is actually, I think, my favorite. Because it did. It was simple. It was simple. Then they did Asylum, which was a, just a let's just throw every goddamn thing into the story we can find. Which was mm -hmm. insane, and it meant no asylum. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. Then they did um, Coven, which was good, not great, not as good as I to me as Murder House. And then came Freak Show, right? That was the next yeah. one, which had so much potential and ended up being horrible. Um, mm -hmm. Then we had Hotel, yeah. yes, which was good. But once again, kind of went, we're just going to do a, you know, it, it, what's wrong with this show is it's like, it'll start, it'll, it'll start strong and then go completely crap. And, um, they lose their momentum. And it's like, it's usually that holiday break that kills it. Well, they, it's like they run out of ideas or they've written themselves into a corner. And, uh, this one, what's interesting with this one was Ryan and I both, it was funny. We were talking about this. We both because they this this season Eric I don't know if you knew this season no one knew what the hell it was going to be about they kept the mystery up until right and they had those all those different teasers right that were all completely different right so you didn't know what was what so Ryan and I both it ended up being had the same idea of what we wanted it to be and it did not do that and I think they should have which was it be set at a B horror studio like take place at a horror uh, a movie studio a b a b horror movie studio because that would make sense with all the different trailers and it would have been fun and it would have had a, a really cool uh gimmick but instead they ended up doing what way back months ago everybody said it was going to be which was the roanoke thing mm -hmm. and i think this might be the worst case of it reminded me of Paranormal Activity 1, in a way, which is you have the characters talking about the things that you already saw happen. And it's, I just think it's, the fact that they're doing this, like, true, true life, it's just, oh, God. And what a waste of Lily Rabe. I just, the whole entire thing is just bad. Mm -hmm. My favorite part of this series, and Eric, when you if you get a chance and go back and watch the other ones ever, one of the things that you'll grow to appreciate from it is the actress Lily Rabe and all of the amazing things that they do with her each season. The same with Sarah Paulson. Yes, and Lily has played some really cool characters, and this one I feel is just bubkiss. 
Well, I'm curious what, Eric, what did you think about it? Because you were coming into this new, you've never seen any of the others. How, how did you take it? Well, first of all, I liked the the talking heads device, whatever you want to call it, with the the real people. You can't see my air quotes that I'm doing. <laughs> you know, the real people talking, and then you have the reenactment with Cuba Gooding Jr. and Sarah Paulson and... Uh, Tina Turner. All right. Her name Tina just flew Turner. out of my head. Tina Turner. Yes. Um, <laughs> Angela Bassett. Thank you. I knew it was Angela, and then I couldn't think of her last name. Um, I I kind of like that device. I don't know how they're going to make it work for an entire season. I think it's going to get old quickly. Oh, God, yes. Um, I, I'm worried that I've heard that that's what they're doing, too. It's going to be all the way through. So it could And, you know, no idea where the story's going. And I really didn't like Sarah Paulson's character, which I guess is actually the other character. But I didn't, I don't know. She was just way, way too hysterical for my taste. And I don't know. But I, but overall, I, I found it interesting. I'm going to watch uh, at least another episode or two and see if it hooks me. I wasn't completely disappointed with it. Like I said, I do like that device that they're using. Don't know how they're going to carry it on, but uh, it, I thought it was interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm going to give it one more episode this season, and if if this second one, which is airing right like tonight, I guess, um, as we record this, I'm going to watch the second one. But I just was, I uh, this was the worst premiere for that show. It, it in terms of quality, they actually broke their record with the premiere. And I, the thing that really made me laugh was the fact that they were, they were sponsored by Mercedes. Like that was the big thing. Cause you know, I can afford to buy a, a Mercedes cause I watched American Horror Story. That's what I think of when I think of American Horror Story is cars. I have two theories about this season, by the way, they're, they're, uh, they're not real. Just listen up. Okay. So I noticed in the credits that Lady Gaga was not mentioned. She's, um, they actually caught, somebody took a screen capture of this week's episode and she's in the background as some crazy looking grody witch woman behind Kathy Bates. You mean Nell? That's my other theory. Kathy Bates is Nell. Nell. Do you remember that movie? (laughs) (laughs) She's she's Jodie Foster grown up. (laughs) Yes. Hey in the wind. (laughs) (laughs) You're a horrible person. <laughs> oh my God. So what's this other show we got to discuss? Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which was fantastic. Um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, was great last season. They really, um, they really, they, they, this season, they actually do a, a jump ahead in time. Um, agent Coulson is no longer the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. He is now an agent. They, they, um, bumped him back down in rank there is a new head of shield uh the director that i don't think anybody knows who that actually is yet um and now sky aka daisy aka quake um is on the run everybody's trying to find her um they've in, they've implemented all the stuff that came from civil war including the Sovaki the, the Sovakia records I think in Sokovia. 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 Thank you. Thank you. The Sokovia Accords are mentioned in there. Um, they uh, they are actually, and this 
is actually bringing the magic and the supernatural because you know the next big marvel movie is doctor strange so this season in shield they're bringing in that supernatural marvel element with ghost rider and he is awesome and it's bloody he kills people there's i mean the first 10 minutes of the show is him just basically taking down these aryans and um aryan gang and it's awesome the special effects are good um the acting's good i love the guy that they've got playing ghost rider he's he's damn good just awesome um i was just really happy with it and then um there's this mysterious box that uh they are trying to find that these uh um this gang of uh i guess they're arms traffickers or something um this box if you look in it makes you go crazy and you start killing people and you see ghosts and these ghosts suspiciously look like the same facial eye look that Maz Mickelson's character in Dr. Strange has, which is that blackened around the eyes, the cracks in the skin. Um, and then agent may apparently is, uh, infected with it and you catch that at the end of the episode when she's talking to colson and he suddenly looks like that and then she you know clears her head all because you look in a box and see gwyneth paltrow's head (laughs) god that would be great that's what happened to pepper uh so (laughs) i would be okay with that um anyway it it was really really good i liked the whole vibe from it it's it's uh it was just a fun, great premiere, setting up a lot of good stuff. Um, so, yeah, I'm pretty happy with it. I love Coulson's fake hand and the things that he can do. And um, they also now are bringing in the um, – what's the word they use for androids that look like humans? It's the um, – Eric. Life model decoys? Yes, thank you. The life model decoys are coming into this. Um, Ada is built and she's, um, oh, I'm blanking on his name. I always forget his name. He's in all the things, a guy from the mummy that was her brother and he was in Rome, not Rome, um, Spartacus. What's his name? I know exactly who you're talking about, and I don't know his name either. British guy that looks like Peter Capaldi, because they're totally making him look like Capaldi in this. Um, anyway, he is, and I have to look him up. I am sorry. I have to look him up. He's great in this. He's building this life model decoy, which he should not be doing. Um, and so it's it's really uh, just a fun season. I love the magic that's being brought into it. I think they finally figured out how to utilize the show. John Hanna, thank you. Um, John Hanna's great in it. Uh, I think they finally realized how to utilize the show and make it touch into the Marvel Cinema Universe um, and make it make sense of why these guys aren't showing up in those movies and vice versa. And uh I really liked it. So you go Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm happy. Thank you for bringing Ghost Rider and giving him his due. Well, why does he have a car instead of a motorcycle? Because it's the different Ghost Rider. The Ghost Rider. All Ghost Riders have motorcycles or horses. Nope. (laughs) Nope. Robbie Race, the muscle car guy. Uh, And I loved, I loved how he just, that it was really well done. I loved it. And he kills people. I mean, it's not clean. It's not, 
he like blood splatter in this show it was interesting and different and dark um and it kind of needs to have that if it's going to be playing into the doctor strange stuff because that's not a happy clean world that's a it's a magic world it's you know it's the dark side of of the comics most most of the time with uh, doctor strange so i'm excited it looks good yay Anyway. Yay! Yay! So that I definitely suggest out of all of those, I um Agents of Shield was probably my favorite. Um even though Lucifer was great, Agents of Shield was really good. I was really impressed. So watch Agents of Shield. Yes. Oh, and by the way, um I don't know if this is something nationwide, but uh my local I have direct TV. My local ABC station is no longer offered on my direct TV. So if you're having that problem, just be aware that Hulu shows these shows within hours of them airing. So if direct TV is having a problem with your local ABC people, um, you can get it on Hulu. That's what I watched it on. So with that, Let's go to our interview with Peaches Christ. Next week, we will have Naomi Grossman, who is not in this season of American Horror Story. Which I think is an injustice, and we're being robbed. Yes, because Pepper should always be in American Horror Story somewhere. Or they could give her another character. I mean, she probably is capable. <laughs> yeah, but Pepper, it's Pepper. It's Pepper. I know, he, but... Pepper's the only one that's been in multiple American Horror Stories. Um, not true not true um in season five hotel uh gabarai sibide reprises her character of queenie from coven oh that's right and the realtor that sold the harmons the murder house she's in hotel that's right that's right so yeah pepper no longer has that that's true she wanted to be in american horror story um hotel though I, I took care I, I modded a panel for her at UConn um and she was like all about that and she was like very sad that they didn't have her in it. They could it could have worked. She could have been someone trapped in the hotel. Oh totally. They could have totally done that. Mm-hmm. All right. Well guys, um we'll come we'll be back next week and we will give you our final thoughts on American Horror Story if it got good <laughs> or not. I want I definitely want Eric though, I want you to go watch Murder House. So you have a basis of comparison on quality because that one is good. <laughs> for real. For real, though. Um, I'll tell you what's good is this interview with Peaches Christ. <laughs> it is. It is. We talk about the weirdos and we talk about uh, the new, um, the return to Grey Gardens, which is fantastic. And I want to see it. <laughs> and it pay attention to the exclusive we were able to get out of an extremely sleep-deprived Peaches Christ. Yeah. Yes. 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 It slipped out. Just be aware. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Here comes Peaches Christ. And we will see you next week on Fangirl Radio. Bye-bye. Bye. So, everybody, I want to welcome the lovely and talented Joshua Grinnell, also known as Peaches Christ. Thank you, sir, for coming to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. We are very, very excited to have you here. Um, so I want to um, give everybody a chance to talk and pick your brain. But I, I've got to know personally, 
what started your love affair? Because you have a definite love affair with horror. And I want to know what really got you into that um, as a kid or as a teen that really brought you into it. Well, I mean, it's one of the hardest uh, questions I uh, get asked because I really can't think back far enough to remember what the the honest first uh, thing is. And I know that as a really little kid, um, I was always intrigued by any sort of evil or wickedness. Um, so for example, you know, I can remember being exposed to the Wizard of Oz at a very, very young age and completely being obsessed with the witch, you know, more, more than anything. Like that's what I was attracted to, the witch, the winged monkeys, the horror of it all. Cause really the Wizard of Oz is really horrific. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and then other films that really inspired me as a young, young kid were um, Poltergeist when it came out. I think I was like 10, 10 years old when I saw that. And, uh, you know, that's a, that's a horror movie about children, you know, and so it was really something that could have been traumatizing, but I think instead it was just completely um, inspiring. Uh, and then shortly after that, I remember seeing Psycho. And then believe it or not, shortly after that, it was like uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre and A Nightmare on Elm Street. And uh, I remember my aunt uh, renting um, The Exorcist for my brother and I. <laughs> we were really little. Um, so I just loved it. I loved it from, you know, I loved being scared and I loved scaring people. Um, so really as far back as I can remember. Do you think that, um, do you think that there's something about horror that kind of attracts the, the, you know, we, I always considered myself an outsider where I grew up as a kid. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, like I, you know, Ryan as well. I know Ryan's in the Midwest and I was in the Midwest and, and, uh, uh, just speaking as Midwesterners, Nawals in, in the the Pacific Northwest, but it was it's something that always kind of drew me in because it, I was always sort of the outsider because I love that kind of weird stuff and I was like the only one, <laughs> and and it seems like horror is sort of accepting in that way. For sure, I, I think there's a huge connection there, and I used to think, I used to think like I was one of the only queer people or queer person I knew who loved. Um, or you'll have to forgive my English because I took a red eye flight last night. So you're getting me um, at my um, drunkest. Yay. <laughs> yes. How I love my people at their drunkest. <laughs> He's been to a horror home weekend. He, kn he knows oh, what that at the drunkest oh, is. Okay. Oh my God. Well, it's funny because I don't, I actually don't drink at all. So sleep deprivation. Yes. Um, and, and especially being on the road a lot is the closest I come anymore to being drunk. So you may get me to say things that I haven't, you know, ever said in public. Who knows? Yeah. Um, yes. I'm definitely sleep deprived. <laughs> um, but uh, to answer your question, yes, I think that uh, as outsiders, especially sissies and creative people and nerds and people, uh, gender non-conforming people, um, really anyone, especially as a kid who doesn't um, fit in the way other people fit in naturally, and you recognize really young that, that you're different somehow, I do think there is a link there to being attracted to horror. Um, 
and actually manifesting our real life childhood fears about identity and other things um, and, and a feeling of acceptance with this dark um, fantasy of, uh, you know, um, of make-believe. And I think most of us see it as uh, fantasy and actually can't deal with the horror of real life. Uh, they say that horror filmmakers, when I was making my movie, um, I was getting asked a lot about, you know, why, why did I want to make uh, something where, you know, people get, you know, mutilated and killed. And, um, I, and I really was sort of like, I don't like answering this question. I don't really know what my answer is. I, I'm actually a nice person. <laughs> but I read, and I think this makes a lot of sense, that Wes Craven was so sensitive to the world and to the news and that a lot of filmmakers who, who go really dark and dive really dark um, Clive Barker and and some of these people that that they tend to be really uber sensitive people who have trouble wrapping their heads around things like war and real life violence and I really connected to that a lot um, so I think in a lot of ways we, we tend to be sensitive emotional people especially those of us who really immerse ourselves in it you know where our lives become you know um, in in uh, intrinsically linked to the genre um i think we tend to be really you know actually quite nice people it, they are the Absolutely. nicest people. yeah they are the nicest people i've ever met well i want to i want to give my co-host here a chance to talk to you as well for sure and i am I'm, I'm really excited to have noel on the show it's her first time being on and she's very excited to talk to you so i'm going to hand it over to her and then ryan i want you to um feel free to dive in Okay. Oh boy. Um, so going back a little bit, uh, you and Ryan, uh, say you grew up in the Midwest, you know, and I grew up in Portland, Oregon, which is, you know, keep Portland weird. And it's known for being, you know, kooky and Portlandy. <laughs> so <laughs> even growing up in Portland, I thought of myself as an outsider, a weirdo. Um, I was one of probably three brown kids in my elementary school. So that also kind of put me in another little niche area. And I was, you know, I had seen my first horror movie at three years old. I watched um, Hellraiser 2. <laughs> my grandparents and my mom were having like a movie night in the basement and I was supposed to be in bed, but I snuck downstairs and hid behind the couch and watched the whole thing. And <laughs> after that, my aunt would- Well, at least your, your first- <laughs> Oh, no, go ahead. At least- yeah, I was gonna say at least it was at least your first exposure to a horror movie is like a really good one, <laughs> right? Exactly. exactly. Yes. And uh, like after that, I was just fascinated by horror films, and I would always go to the library and check out scary books. And my grandma was like, "Oh, but oh, okay, oh lord, what have I gotten myself into?" And I remember just. All like that, I was actually the kid at school where the parents would have me over to their house because usually it was one of those things where their kids would come over one time and go home and tell them the stories that I had told them. Because like, I, like, right. I would watch, you know, all the scary movies and tell them about it or I'd read books. Like, I started reading Stephen King probably in fourth grade. So I would relay all these stories and they would go home and tell their parents. It explains so much. It explains <laughs> right. so much. <laughs> well, 
after the first time of somebody coming to my house, I would have to go to theirs after that so their parents could supervise whatever crazy tales I was telling. So, and that just kind of relayed, like, I always felt, an, like, on the outside because all of my other friends were like, oh, ponies. I'm like, oh, I've got my little ponies. Let's pretend that they're going to hell. I don't know. Just, or I would be playing by myself. Be like, I'm going to play Carrie. <laughs> I, I did. My grandma was very concerned about that one because she didn't know about the movie Carrie and I had just watched it and she was like, wait. He was mean, duh. And so that kind of just like shaped me when I was little. I was always, you know, very popular to an extent because I was funny. But that was my coping mechanism because I knew that I was different. And well, so that humor kind of. And I, lo- I love that it kind of, you've, you've, you've built around that to hear <laughs> what you do now. What yes. Nawal does is she does horror-themed burlesque. I do. Oh, wow. I do. Um, I've been taking a little bit of a hiatus at the moment. But um, it was one of the... Like Portland is, has a pretty great burlesque scene for being such a small city. And I wanted to get into that because I grew up as a competitive dancer and weirdo. And I needed an outlet for that performance side of me that I hadn't been doing anything with for a long time. And so my very first uh, burlesque set was as Jason Voorhees to uh, Break My Stride by Matthew Wilder. Because I was... <laughs> I was in my car driving and that song came on my iPod and it was around Halloween time. And I just, for some reason, thought how funny it would be to see like a music video of that song with Jason Voorhees. Because every time you kill him, he just comes back for you. I was like, that would be a great burlesque set. And so then nobody did it. So I did it myself. And that just kind of started my whole um horror burlesque thing <laughs> that's awesome she that also does great. she also <laughs> does the tar man from from return of the living i Death. do have a tar man set and um my favorite set that is one of my newer ones um is leatherface to footloose <laughs> you're such a freak <laughs> I try, I try. the only the only reason i haven't done that one again is because my chainsaw is broken and i need to fix it it shoots glitter so. oh wow yeah, i try i try <laughs> so um and i want to i want ryan ryan's ryan's being very very polite and quiet and i want to give him a chance to to talk as well because i know he's got questions yeah well i mean you know i've, I've been following Peaches for a long time now on Facebook and so it's been really interesting seeing all of your your stage shows that you do with the films and actually this afternoon we just got confirmation that um, one of your collaborators on one of your past shows will be visiting us in two weeks we're having Alaska on and uh, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about those shows like you've got return return to Grey Gardens is that what it's called exactly Oh, did we lose him? I don't know. I'm still showing him. 
Uh, it was, it was as, can you hear me now? Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, ah, oh, he's gone. What happened? I didn't hear anything Ryan said. It was like this warbly, uh, like he was underwater or something. Oh. I was, I was doing your fucking underwater number. <laughs> from <the show> <laughs> <Girls> <laughs> from <laughs> Fabulous. <laughs> but no, I, I was talking about like, uh, your stage shows that you do with the films including Showgirls, which in a couple weeks, we're going to talk to Alaska about doing that with you. Uh And um, (laughs) I see in a very soon you're doing um, the return to Grey Gardens with Jinx Monsoon again. Yes, uh, we are going actually uh, on on Monday, I go to Seattle and we do it in Seattle. And then uh, we go to San Francisco. And then after San Francisco, we go to Manchester in England. And then we go to London and do it there. So it's kind of like a mini tour. I love that feel doing that again, the show, because it was such a success the first time around that you two did this. Well, we first did it three years ago. And the premise is uh, my shows typically aren't just um, designed so that it's it's uh, drag queens reenacting um, a movie straight up. I usually rewrite um, or, or actually just write um, a whole new parody show. And with the Grey Garden script, because it was a documentary, um, I really wanted to do something different and give the, the story a little more structure than a documentary film has so that on stage it, it just made more sense. And so the conceit is that you show up uh, to the theater and you don't realize that it's actually 40 years into the future from the night that you arrive. Uh, <laughs> this so, is great. <laughs> so when, when we hit the stage, we're actually Jinx and Peaches. And we've been performing the same Grey Garden show in that theater for 40 years. <laughs> and, <laughs> and there's no, there's no audience. We can't see the audience. And the theater is falling down around us and the town wants to evict us and the theater's <laughs> full of cats and raccoons. And we, um, you know, we're, we're playing ourselves and we're being filmed for a documentary. Um, and of course it allows us to do all of our Grey Garden stuff because we're still performing the show in a sense, but the, the tension and the angst is really about Jinx you know, thinking that I've ruined her life. Um, <laughs> and uh, and so it plays on sort of, you know, the core theme of the documentary, which is, you know, whose fault is this? You know, really? And, yeah. you know, Little Edie's angst, you can't really tell, um, at least from the original documentary, I think with the subsequent film that they made where they put out more footage, it's a little easier to tell but the Maisels who, who directed the documentary, they did such a great job of not letting you fully know, was it Edie's decision to stay there with her mother and give up her life and let her world uh, physically and metaphorically crumble around her? Or, or did her mother, you know, sort of force her to and manipulate her? And so that's basically what our show is about. And what's hilarious about it now is that we started three years ago. We started doing it the year that Jinx won Drag Race. And uh, 
we did it in San Francisco and then it went to Seattle and then Los Angeles and then New York. And then last summer we did it in Provincetown for a month uh, and or longer, longer than a month, two months. And, um, and so the joke is now, oh my God, this show is coming true. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, that's amazing. And I, I have to ask you like, how did the premise of this show come to be? Like, did you just come up with it or did you get inspired by Jinx's Snatch Game from season well, five? Yeah, that, that story's kind of funny too because Jinx and I knew each other uh, before she went on Drag Race, just like um, Alaska and a few of the girls I've known. Alaska used to perform, you know, at Tranny Shack in LA and was very much a young queen who was part of our scene before she moved to Pittsburgh. Um, and uh, Jinx, because I've been going to Seattle for 15 years doing shows um, with someone I knew um, from Seattle. We were not close and we barely knew each other. It was more, more as though we knew of each other, you know. And, um, and she got on Drag Race and she had to come to San Francisco for like, you know how they send the girls around for uh, sort of like viewing parties while the yeah. show was actually airing. So she was in San Francisco the day um, her Snatch Game episode uh, aired. And we went to lunch that afternoon. Well, they had been um, showing that Snatch Game was coming up, you know, like on television commercials and, uh, you know, on the internet and stuff. So I knew that she was going to do Little Edie because they were showing it in the commercial. And, uh, and so when we went to lunch, I said to her, you know, I've always for, you know, 20 years since I've started doing this stuff, I've always wanted to do Grey Gardens but I've never done it uh, because it has to be perfect. And I don't want it to be something, and this goes back to what we talked about as, be, as far as being outsiders. Um, I didn't want it to be that thing where people's attraction to this film or this experience is that it's a freak show and that these are people to be made fun of. I wanted it to come from the place of homage and tribute and love so that yes, there is comedy to what they're doing, but that the audience really knows that me and whoever else is in this show really love these people and identify with them and really relate to them as outsiders. And I said to Jinx, would you be into doing that? And she said, oh my God, I would love to, you know, that's the perfect, perfect collaboration for us. So then I go that night to the bar, wherever they were, you know, showing the, um, the TV show. And I sort of was like, holy shit, you know, because <laughs> you see her do little Edie and it's, you know, it's transformative. It's just perfection. So I didn't even know how good she was when we, you know, committed to doing it. I knew she'd be good. I knew it would come from the right place, but I didn't realize it would be, there's, there's something so satisfying about watching someone especially a drag performer. I mean, in this great tradition of drag, whether, whether it's one of the more traditional icons like, uh, you know, Liza Minnelli or Judy Garland, for that matter, or Barbara Streisand, watching um, a, a super fan, a sycophant, um, <laughs> in, impersonate, and not only impersonate, but become the person that they worship. It's, um, it's magical, you know, and that's really, I mean, I've seen Jinx perform a lot and she's done many, many characters in my shows. We've now, I think she's been in five or six of my shows, you know, um, 
And I will say a close second for her is when she does Debbie Jelinski and Adam's Family Values. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, she is so good. And she's good at everything. I mean, she's a super talented queen, no doubt. But there's something about her little Edie that uh, it's moving. People, you know, when they come to see our show, they laugh and laugh and laugh. And then by the end, some of them are crying. I saw wow. the trailer for it on YouTube um, for your uh, appearance in London, and I was blown away just by in that little two and a half minute thing of how much sh she looks like her and the outfit and everything is so spot on. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I really lucky. We I work with uh, a lot of great costume designers, and for some of our shows um, – and that show in particular is a woman named Amy Sarazan, who is actually very uh, brilliant at doing cinema recreations, like to, to down to the, the right texture of fabric, you know, like I had to kind of talk her out of spending a fortune for a dress for an upcoming show because the fabric that she was insisting we have was this sort of net tool with these red red polka dots on it and it had to be from this place and you know it's the lydia wedding dress uh, oh yeah which oh. i'm actually not even supposed to be talking about that yeah. <laughs> sleep deprivation <laughs> sleep deprivation so now you know what's coming up at the end of the year uh, but yeah Ooh. she and i said to her i'm like it's going to be on stage for 10 minutes you know at most it's <laughs> the finale of the whole show like we don't need to spend $500 on fabric. But I love, love, love that attention to detail because it really, you know, especially for super fans, they really notice. That's awesome. Well, your Winifred Sanders dress was fantastic. And oh, she was... did that. The same, the same costume designer. Well, she, her, her work is amazing. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you in regards to, to Grey Gardens, um, I am a big fan of those women myself. And I've seen the documentary and I also saw, and I'm a big fan of the film that was done with Drew Barrymore and Jessica Lange. Like, do you know if I, any of those ladies have ever happened to catch the show? No. And I would really love that because I have to say, uh, I love Drew Barrymore as a pop culture fixture. And of course, grew up with her, you know, like I loved E.T. and Firestarter and, you know, really, you know, feel like Drew Barrymore is such a cool woman but I never really thought of her as a great actress per se I feel like she does a great job of playing Drew Barrymore and <laughs> yeah you know, and I say, you know I say that with love like I don't even mean it right. but like you know you see her in Donnie Darko and it's like well that's Drew Barrymore playing a teacher you know um and so when I heard that she was doing little Edie I was like what that's ridiculous and insane um but I have to say she blew me away. I mean, it's her best performance ever. And there's no part of you that sees Drew Barrymore in that performance. It's, she became little Edie. And um, Jessica Lange, of course, is just, uh, you know. She's a goddess. Really, yeah, goddess. Mm -hmm. So um, I loved their movie. And I thought the movie was so well done and so smart the way it jumped through time and, you know, did all the stuff that the documentary couldn't do. And, to be totally honest, I have not seen the musical, the Broadway musical yet, because a lot of times if I'm um, working on my own drag show, 
uh, and I'm not a musician, I don't write uh, music. So our, our drag theatrical spectaculars, you know, include stolen music, like, you know, Jinx sings uh, I Dreamed a Dream from Les Miserables. I mean, it's still ultimately a drag show. You know, it's theatrical, but it's still a drag show. There's lip syncing or karaoke or whatever. And so I don't really like to see um, a musical version of a movie that I'm doing just because I don't want it to, I don't want to kind of like, I don't know. I want my ideas to be my own ideas in a way. So I need to see, now that our show is, you know, so set and that we've been performing it for three years, I should go see the uh, musical. I know Jinx loves the musical. I just haven't seen it yet. But I would be, to answer I would your question about that. those, <laughs> to answer your question about have any of those people seen it? No, none of the people you mentioned. However, in New York, a couple of years ago, when we did it, um, and same thing in LA, of course, notable people come to the show because you're in New York or you're LA. So of course, you know, any famous friends I have get invited. So Elvira came, you know, and saw it in LA and um, uh, Andy Richter came and saw it in LA. (laughs) You know, like, um, you know, there were, I'm friends with Andy's wife, Sarah, who was on Strangers with Candy. And, you know, there's people that come and in New York, it was very much like Lady Bunny and, you know, um, uh, Justin Bond. And, but what we did not know was that Jerry, the marble fawn, was in the audience. So, you know, here's this person who is a key player in this documentary. Really, probably besides Little Edie and Big Edie, he, ha- he has the most screen time. And uh, we are acting out scenes from his life. Not a movie that he was once in, you know, his actual life with someone playing him on stage and me masturbating corn and him eating it out of my hands. And (laughs) so they say to us afterwards, oh, you know, Jerry is here. And I'm like, what? We kind of heard a rumor that he might come, but I think Jinx and I just thought that'll never happen, you know. Um, And I said, oh, my God, that means the world to me. He said, you know why? Because she had a sense of humor. She got comedy. She would have liked this more than any of the other things because it was so funny and, and uh-huh. she would have really liked it. And Jinx is standing there and Jinx is such a, an attention whore and, and uh, you know, total theater queen. And so Jinx is like, and what about little Edie? What about little Edie? What, what would she have thought from mine? And he was like, Mrs. Beale would have loved the show. <laughs> <laughs> and what he meant by it was, and what, when, he said, oh, your little Edie was amazing. And that's why little Edie would not have liked it. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. Oh, yeah. my God. That's well, awesome. Yeah, she always wanted to be the star. You know, yep. she wanted to, to leave and get back to New York, which after the documentary was made, she actually did get to go and have a, sh- a one-woman show in New York and... Um, so, Josh, I want to give you a chance to, because um, I know we're about to run out of time. We've we've uh, we've kept you a long time, and I I really appreciate um, you joining us. Um, where where all can people find you, right? Because um, I know the the October season's coming up, and you have your tour for your show. But where else can people find you? Where can they um, they find your stuff? Uh, I'm pretty active on Facebook. Uh, Facebook.com slash Peaches Christ, and uh, also Instagram. Um, 
where my handle is peaches underscore Christ. Uh, and then and then Twitter. I'm not as good at Twitter, but I am on there. So I, I got to ask because I know I know I, I'm I'm becoming more and more familiar with the with the drag community as this goes on. How did you come up with the name Peaches Christ? Well, I was uh, an angry um, Catholic school uh, uh, kid who loved horror movies. <laughs> and, um <laughs> And was really like introduced to drag through my love of movies and discovering uh, Divine and uh, Frankenfurter, you know, in early high school. And um, and so I knew I wanted it to be something button pushing and punk rock and uh, something that uh, maybe angered people um, a little bit. And at the time... Uh, Drag queens, I guess they still are, but really, it was very popular to do celebrity puns, you know, um, like, uh, I don't know, Angie Dickensert or, <laughs> uh, you know. I'm stealing that one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, suppository spelling is a friend of mine. You know? <laughs> um, so I was like, well, how, how do you know that these celebrities are going to be relevant and, you know. A few years or whatever. Um, so I thought, well, the most relevant celebrity I could think of, as far as someone who's, you know, uh, stayed uh, well past their time, <laughs> uh, is Jesus. So I, I, you know, I came up with Peaches Christ. And at the time, you know, my drag was really horrific. I also performed with chainsaws quite frequently. Yeah. You know, <laughs> um, and uh, and it was mostly horror, you know, um, inspired and um, and then it morphed into being more about um, cult cinema in general. Um, but my roots and my love are really um, horror. And I think Christ in general, there's just so much gore and uh, violence and gothic horror, you know, mi mixed up in the Catholic Church. That it felt like um, it made sense. That's awesome and true. And many levels. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, very true. Um, well, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. We really, really appreciate it. And it was just fantastic to finally get to meet you. Oh, um, thank you. I, I was at Horror Helm, but I'm always running around like a lunatic. I did see you, but I didn't get a chance to come over and say <laughs> hello. Um, but I think you're absolutely beautiful. So, oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Nice to meet you guys. You too. Oh, yeah. It's great to finally talk to you after crossing paths with you so many years ago. <laughs> yeah, well, let's do, let's cross paths again. And next time, you know, you, you don't be shy. Okay. I promise. I won't. I'll come over and say hi. I'll, 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 okay. I'll shove him over there. I'll probably okay, have that problem with me. I have I'm no still one pushing Jessica in a wheelchair. <laughs> Shut up. We okay, don't talk okay. about that. <laughs> we don't talk about that on the air. <laughs> All righty. Well, thank you so much, Josh. We appreciate it again. Thank you. And we'll have you back Thanks. as soon as you want. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye.